Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Last week in the first message in uh, this series, we asked the question, who is this baby in a manger? Like, like really, who is this baby? We have the stories and the songs that we sing about him and the nativity scenes and, and the nativity sets in our homes. There's movies and plays and events dedicated to this baby, Jesus. And that's all great, but, but, but can we stop for a minute? This is what we asked last week. And just ask the question, who was he? Who, who is he? And that question prompted us to ask and to try to answer another question first, which is really like the stuff that we have written about him. Can we really believe it? Can we really trust it? Do we have people who've seen it, eyewitness accounts, and can we rely on them when it comes to what they say about Jesus from, from his birth to his death to even the resurrection? Because truthfully, if we aren't able to trust what was written about him, we can't possibly know who he is or what he's like. And so we, we explored that. And what we said was that the evidence points overwhelmingly to, the, to an emphatic yes, like what we have specifically in these four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what we have can be trusted. We can read them with a very high degree of certainty. We can know that these writers were recording what they saw and experienced, and that's good to know. What, what you and I can read in the New Testament stories about Jesus can be trusted. And I, and I say that not just because I'm a Christian, I, I say that as someone who has looked at the evidence available to me and, and come to what I think is a logical conclusion. Listen, if Jesus isn't who he said he was, then none of this matters. If he is who he said he was, then it matters more than anything else, like a million times over. What we have to ask, though, is, is this. Was Jesus just a great moral teacher? Was he just a rabbi or maybe a prophet? Was he here to bring a revolution? Was he just here to, to elevate the status of people who were looked down upon, like, like, like women, like children, like the, the Gentiles who lived around Jerusalem? To be sure, he did all of those things. He was all of those things. But if you stop there, you know, Jesus, just, a, just one of those guys, a great teacher, a rabbi of the highest order. He was a cultural revolutionary. You stop short of what the Bible itself actually says of what Jesus actually said. You see, and great moral teachers don't do this. Jesus claimed to be God. And he did things that God did. Now the writers of the, the Gospels and the, the rest of the New Testament, Acts and the letters, they, they claimed that Jesus was God. Paul says it like this in the book of Colossians, that the Son is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn, firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy, for God was pleased Listen to this, to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so our question to explore today is this, did Jesus prove that? Did he prove that he was God? Did Jesus fulfill 
the attributes of God. So um, in 1889, Scotland Yard was the first police department in the world to take the description of a, of a murder suspect and to turn it into a sketch. And, and the sketch was used to catch a criminal. Now, now there were, uh, now there are more than 300 professional sketch artists who work with police departments all across the United States. When you're describing somebody to a sketch artist, I mean, I've never had to do it, but you, I would assume you're gonna say, hey, let me tell you what they look like. Here's what I remember about their hair, about their skin color, about their face shape, their nose, their mouth. And these artists are amazing. They can take all of that verbal information and they can create a picture that often is, is spot on. That's what we're doing here, we're saying, what are the attributes of God? What's, what's God like? And the Old Testament gives us all these words and phrases and stories to tell us what God is like. And, and we're coming up with a composite sketch, a drawing of who he is. And in this case, we're asking the question, does Jesus look like that? Does he prove that he was God? Does Jesus have the attributes of God? Does he look like that? Or is that idea, us calling him God, is that something that, that came up later on when some guys sat around a table and decided to make up a, a narrative that sounded good and it sounded like other religions and actually it never happened? This is important to take a look into. And, and, and I'm gonna give you a few passages here, but just know that these are representative of many, many more passages that show the same thing. And, and I would encourage you to look into this for yourself. One of the characteristics of God that you see throughout the Old Testament is this, that, that he knows everything. God knows everything. The, the big theological word for that is that he's omniscient. There's this point in Jesus' time where his disciples um, began, where, where he began to share a lot with his disciples, with them about the future, about what was going to happen with, with insight that they were amazed by. And while he normally spoke in parables, Jesus did in stories and illustrations with the crowds, he would get with his close followers, the disciples, and he would break it down for them. He did that. And John records that the disciples said this, now we can see that you know all things. Now we can see that you know all things. This wasn't, wasn't just a random offhand comment. It was the culmination of years of time together with Jesus, observing him, listening to him, watching how he interacted with people, seeing him do miracles. He knows everything. He was always one step ahead of them, knowing what was, what was coming up next, knowing what they were thinking, knowing what they needed before they even knew it themselves. Another quality of God that shows up in Jesus, too, is this. He's, he's, he's everywhere. The theological word for that is omnipresent, which is kind of weird say, saying that about a guy who lived in a specific time, in a specific moment, who was born, and he existed during a particular time on earth. But the things that he says, you simply can't deny and look Look over, look beyond. A couple of things in the book of Matthew specifically. He said, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age from Matthew 28. And then a little further back in Matthew, he says, where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. How is that the case with Jesus, who was a person who walked on earth like how is it that God, you know, God contained in a body? Well, there's a, there's a key in it in the book of Philippians. It says in chapter two that basically Jesus 
emptied himself willfully for a period of time of some of those qualities of God that he made himself nothing. He became human. But then along the way, he gives these hints. I'm with you always until the end of, of everything. When you get together as believers, I'm going to be with you. He was letting them in on this secret, but one of the most amazing things about God himself, that he's always there. He's always present. And then, then there's this other attribute we find all over the Old Testament, and it's that he's all-powerful. Uh, he's all-powerful. God's all-powerful. The bigger word for that is omnipotent. We, we see glimpses of that in the miracles that Jesus performed. They're signs of his power. They are signs of his strength. And then he makes this claim that, again, we cannot ignore. You can't ignore this if you're exploring Jesus. We have to pay attention. He said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's claiming all power. And all authority is in his hands. It's been given to him. And truthfully, they believed it. His followers believed it. You know why? Because they had just seen him get nailed to a cross and then die and be laid into a tomb and then walk out of that tomb alive. And if that happened, it means that he's omnipotent. He's, he's all powerful. And, and then... He makes another claim that we know is true of, of really only God himself. The scriptures say that he's existed forever. In other words, he's eternal. John, the writer John, leads off with this, this truth at the very beginning of his gospel. So we can't just, just walk past it. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He, he then says that the word of God became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. And it's an astonishing claim, but it's one that he goes on to back up in his gospel over and over and over again, that Jesus, born in a manger, died on a cross and raised from the dead. He was God himself who had existed forever, who has existed forever. And John comes right out of the gate firing. He's saying, you can't ignore this fact and I'm going to lay it out to you. And then I'm going to prove it to you that this Jesus was also God who has existed forever. He is eternal and then and the last thing I want you to see is this, and it's an attribute that is the very same as God. He never changes. God never changes. Theologically speaking, that means that he's immutable. That's the word immutable. God's character, his heart, his goals, his desires are true, and he never, ever changes. And the writers of the Gospels and the letters in the New Testament attribute this same characteristic to Jesus. Jesus Christ, he says in, in the book of Hebrews, is the same yesterday and today and forever. And you can see that characteristic so evident in the Gospels. Jesus came with one mission in mind to seek and to save the lost. This is his heart. That's his mission. And it never, ever changed. Everything that he did was focused on that, a direct reflection of the heart of God. And then there are all these names the Old Testament uses to portray God. And, and you know what? The very same words were used in the New Testament to describe Jesus. All these, all these names. The Alpha and the Omega, Lord, Savior, King, our Judge, the Light, our Rock, our Redeemer, Shepherd, our Creator, our Giver of Life, a Forgiver of Sin, our Speaker with divine authority in the New Testament. Every one of those names is applied to Jesus. Is applied to Jesus. Now, now, now listen, let's take this out of our, our heads in the classroom and into your living room. What does this have to do with you? He's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows everything about you. And he still loves you. He knows your past. He knows what's on your mind. He knows what you're worried about. He knows what you want. He knows what, what you need. 
and he knows your future. And he's not surprised about anything that has happened to you. And there's still a lot of mystery in that, isn't there? But it's comforting to know that he knows. He's also omnipresent. He's everywhere. Do you know that there's nowhere that you can go that he hasn't been? There's, there's, there's nowhere that you can run that he isn't right there. There's nowhere dark enough in this world that he isn't there with you. There's nowhere you can walk where you're completely alone. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. There's nothing you can face that's impossible for him. That, that thing that you're dealing with right now, it's nothing in his hands. It's nothing in his hands. Why isn't he taking it away? I don't know, but he can. And if he isn't yet, he probably has a good reason. And then he's eternal. He's existed forever. He's eternal. And you are too. Your soul will last forever. But your life here is just a snap. It's just a blink. It's over in an instant. Ask anybody who's over 75 and they'll tell you that. And since that's the case, the thing that makes the most sense in life is to trust him. Trust the one who's eternal. Trust the one who's always been and always will be. And, and then finally there's this. He's, he's immutable. He doesn't change. And when everyone else around you seems to change their minds, when everyone lets you down, when all else fails, you can count on this. He never changes. He's always loving. He's always kind and merciful and full of grace. And he's always ready to forgive. And he's always inviting you into his plans and his dreams and his mission and his kingdom. He does not change. And in a world so full of change, that's good, good news. Jesus, born in a manger, proved himself to have all the attributes of God himself. And if he was God, that changes everything because that means what he said is true. And what he said was this, I'm inviting you to trust me, to trust me with your life, to trust me with your pain, to trust me with your hurts and your problems, to trust me when life doesn't make sense. Trust me with your relationships. Trust me with your heart. And even when no else in, no, maybe no one else in your life can be trusted, you can trust him because he's everywhere. He knows everything. And even if no one else in your life, even if everybody else in your life changes on you, he never will. He never will. Let me pray for you. God, you're the God who never changes. You're the God who is all powerful. You're the God who knows everything past, present, and, and, and future. You're the God who is eternal. You've always been. You always will be. And, and, and we um, want to just acknowledge those things today. We want to live in recognition of those things today. And also in the recognition of this, that when we see the sketch of Jesus that the gospel portrays, what we unmistakably see, God, is you. That Jesus is God, that he is God's son. And God, what an amazing gift you gave us to come to this world, to make yourself one of us so that you could not only show us how to live, but that you would die and be risen again for us so that we could live with you. May we trust you today and put our hearts and our lives in your hands. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, 
We want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.